that Supreme Court ruling was insane. What can come out of it is crazy. Like the the it's it's unlikely that a Democrat will ever win any election ever again for the rest of time. I mean, it's really likely. It does feel that way. It really does. And what I would love to say is like, oh, well, you know, if Democrats were in charge, then um, at the moment that that was passed, then it would be the same thing, right? Because they would abuse the power in the same way. Right. But they wouldn't. They're such pussy. Yeah, exactly. They're such fucking pussy. They'll never fucking, like, take it. They'll never be dirty like that. They'll never be dirty. And it's not because they're not crooked. They're crooked as shit. But they're crooked in a very, like, like, small way. They're crooked in, like, a, in, like, in... I want to just make sure that my friend's consultancy firm gets a lucrative contract to cover, to like advise my campaign. They're not like, oh, I'm going to find a way where it's illegal to have oxygen in in Republican counties or something like that. No more black voting. (laughs) Yeah. No more black voting. I don't look. (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. What have they really done with the vote? What have they really done with it? They screw it up every time. I mean, come on. If you speak a second language, no, no, no. Forget about the testing for do you speak English? If you speak a second language at all, <laughs> you can't vote. We don't want any. You're disqualified from voting. Uppity multilingual people. <laughs> did I hear, did I hear you saying, uh, "Como estás, dead? No, 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 not at all. That wasn't me. That was somebody else. That was <laughs> I don't know. Are you sure I'm gonna, revo- I'm gonna fucking report you to the FEC? You're not supposed to be able to vote, motherfucker. I better not hear Spanish in this line. This motherfucking Ugandan asshole up here, just because he's been a citizen <laughs> for 25 years and served in three foreign wars, that he should get to vote. Uh, if you don't I'm laugh, Q. you cry. I'm Jewish Dave. This is Bird Road. And this is Bird Road. You know, I think that was the intro skit, kind of, wasn't it? I mean, nah. No, I got to do something produced, man. Uh, like we got to produce things. We got to we got to put some effort into this. Like okay. it's not hard to make these skits. It's just hard to get in touch with people because I'm a social recluse and I hate interacting with people. <laughs> you're you're becoming me kind of and I'm just becoming really weird. The like the Shyamalan twist to the end of this shit is that I was always you. I always was you. I always have hated it. And I do it out of a weird, misplaced sense of love. I don't know. It was like, I don't know. <laughs> Going out to see people. What would we do when we were in college and we would go out? What would, what would we do? We would sit at a booth in a bar and stare at each other's eyes. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the beginning, when we were actually trying to get laid and stuff, like then we would actually meet with a group of people, go out and have fun. But at, at a certain and then point, end up sitting in the booth and just staring into each other's yeah, eyes. Well, we would wait for them all to leave. <laughs> we just we we we'd wait it out, drinking as much as possible until everyone else was gone. And we're like, I think I'm going to stay for one more beer. But really, we were like keeping locked eyes as we thirty more beers, <laughs> staring at ESPN as it replays Sports Center for the fifth time, and you don't even know anything about sports. <laughs> we're just like. Occasionally we'll be like, look at that girl over there. Imagine if we talked to her. Imagine what it would be like if we talked to her. Imagine. Ah, let's not do it. Let's not do it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, everybody, we just want to remind you to... Great uh, start. So, uh, uh, I mean, how, what else am I going to say? I'm just going to start with the words. Well, Rate, say, review us! If, 
rate and review. <laughs> if you can hear the sound of enormous smashing in the background of this, that's one of the hosts of Entre Dos. That like that those footsteps that sound like a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex smashing around outside of the studio right now is one of the hosts of the 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 the, the crown jewel in our podcast. Network. You sound insane right now because I didn't hear a fucking thing. <laughs> So you're like, if you hear all that smashing, and I don't hear anything. You hear this fucking bullshit that I'm hearing. You know that there's all types of women out there ruining my podcast whole. I made a place where I can do podcasting. And nobody should be able to bother me, but that was the agreement. And it is frequently breached. This is a preview of Q's podcast movement speech. <laughs> this is my one. This is, this is my one man show. So yeah, rate, 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 review to our show. Uh, Shut up! I went through damn. a podcast movement draft where I was, um, where I was like, uh, I was like, all I was doing was berating you in the first row. <laughs> of the show. That's what I'm hoping for. That's why I changed my flight. <laughs> I want to be berated in front of everyone. <laughs> Look at this motherfucker right here. Smell like cheese whiz and dick. <laughs> I didn't think it would be good if you opened the floor for questions and I was, you know, planted. Hey, <laughs> quick question. Uh, hey, quick Q and A. How many of y'all want to want to see Jewish Dave get naked? <laughs> Got to do it, man. I Sorry. guess so. <laughs> get a round of applause. A round of applause going. Yeah, Jewish Dave, get naked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we should mention that I, I am speaking at Podcast Movement yeah. on the 23rd of July. I was going to get to this, really by the way, uh, but you you know. Well, All right. Well, why don't you do it? You tell me. No, that's you tell fine. people. That's fine. I'm tired of I'm tired of having to toot my own that's horn. Fine. Nobody ever promotes me. I have to promote myself, and I promote other people, and I work to exalt other people and 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 I put want them things. in advantageous situations. I want things. Um, yeah, Q is going to be speaking at Podcast Movement uh, 2018. We're excited. We're going in July. What is it? July 22nd, I believe. Um, our hardest our hardest core fans are out there listening to this episode right now. And they're thinking, like, there's something going on. Like, they're, they're authentically pissed off at each other. This isn't like there's something brewing underneath. underneath this. I feel it. I've been listening since episode three. Uh, <laughs> Jonah Goldberg's a fuckface. Um, or John Pedoritz is a fuckface. <laughs> episode three. And good episode. you know what? <laughs> good episode. Good app, by the way. Good app. Go back in the catalog if you could find it. It's on our Patreon. Listen, re-listen to it. <laughs> um. They should rate and you review wanna, our show. Get oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on on Piecing It Together this week, Dave? Well, actually, I have two cool things happening on Piecing It Together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. Over on Piecing It Together, Jewish Dave gets dialysis. <laughs> uh... Now we just piecing it together this week. We're checking out uh, Hereditary, and Jewish Dave gets an iron lung. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, we we uh, we just posted our first ever director uh, uh, feedback episode where I, I get to talk to a director and ask them what they think about the puzzle pieces that we discussed on the show. Uh, it's it's the director of Bus Party to Hell, Rolf Konevsky, and it was uh, it was really fun to get to do that, and it's something I'm hoping to do a lot in the future. So that was great. And then I got a new episode coming on Friday. Let's let's do what we don't want to do. Let's spend ten minutes on. Um... Ten quick minutes going over the the election, the uh, primary election results last uh, last night in Nevada. Oh yeah, um, Dave, why don't you walk us through just the the well? If you think if you think we talk about that, uh, uh, bummer stories on this show uh, <laughs> on a regular basis, yeah. just you wait. Um, yeah, no, it, it it didn't go very well. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, it it was just further proof that uh, money is what drives politics and uh, not that we didn't know that already but um you know the the candidates with all the money are, are who won across the board pretty much um friends of the show um didn't win uh as far as the uh you know governor steve sislak is is the uh, nominee now um which honestly you know to be honest it, it was kind of a tough decision uh you know, I didn't really love either of them. And then, of course, the uh, the day before uh, Hillary Clinton endorsed Chris G, which didn't help matters <laughs> in the progressive community. Um, yeah. So but I, I do actually think Steve Sisolak has Sisolak, the better Steve chance. Sisolak is like Steve Sisolak probably does have the better chance and he might end up being the next governor of Nevada. Right. But he's basically like uh, like if you if you brought to life one of those like mid two thousands bumper stickers that said, don't blame me. I voted for Gore. <laughs> like if one of those was a human being, it would be Steve Sisolak. Yeah. Well, we like Steve Sisolak in our household because he once gave Sadie pup a burger. Oh yeah. We were talking about this too bad. We weren't recording that early, earlier <laughs> yeah. today. Cause that was a good bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. I could never put that bit on. Not, that. not even a little bit. I remember how that bit ended yeah, up. It, it went bad quick. <laughs> <laughs> it went bad really fast completely unairable what am i even talking about i can't even i might have to cut this part out so people don't even ever ask me what I, what the bit was about i can't even afford for people to know that it that it happened um yeah but i mean yeah, you know so we're 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 proud let's go down the line yeah. really quick of our of our of our of our um you know people amy valella who was running in um district four yeah uh, who actually got the endorsement? One of the the vaunted endorsements from um, the Our Revolution, right. and was also endorsed by um, by somebody trying to get on the on the show, um, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez up in uh, in New York and in, mm. uh, in Queens in the Bronx, who's running a very progressive, very similar campaign to to Amy's, um, very but a little more high profile because she's, I mean, it's a different media market. She's been able to get a little bit more, probably the highest profile, authentic progressive. Apart from Cynthia Nixon, maybe who's running for for office this year. Um, so uh, <laughs> um, she uh, she she didn't do that well. Mm -hmm. She lost to uh, Stephen Horsford, uh, and ca actually came in third place behind um, Stephen Horsford and uh, Patricia Spearman. Spearman yeah. um, got about ten percent of the vote uh, there in District Four. So that's that's disappointing because. Well, she, I really think she could have. Yeah. Well, also, she she got. She, she, she was probably. A, she was one of the most compelling candidates that was yeah, out and, there. Yeah, and year. also, I I I'm a little surprised as well because she got a lot of press. Um, you know, for 
for you know one of these yeah for one of these small progressive candidates with not a lot of money i mean she really got covered she was in rolling stone she was on all of the local news she was in the local papers all that stuff um like pretty constantly so i was surprised that it you know i mean it's it's hard to go against you know the more establishment candidates but uh you know with more money but still i thought it would have been a better showing one district up the ticket from her uh, our buddy, uh, our very good friend Mike Weiss, yeah. uh, came in uh, a stout second place, pulling eight percent of the vote versus um, Susie Lee, his his uh, primary opponent, who um, just ran away with it, uh, six sixty seven percent of the yeah. vote, basically. Yeah. And uh, I believe that you were at Mike's campaign event yesterday, right? When yeah, um, we we actually watched the uh, his office. Yeah, we watched the results with the with him and and. Uh, some close friends, as well as the people who volunteered for his campaign. And, uh, you know, I mean, <clears throat> you know, he got second place, which is great. You know, uh, he was very, you know, happy that that happened. And of course, I mean, you know, Susie Lee, I, I don't remember the exact number that somebody uh, said, but the um, the percentage of money that Michael's campaign had versus what Susie Lee's had, I mean, it, it was like, I think maybe like 2% or something. So it's like... You know, yeah, what, what, do you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's you're dealing with infinitesimal numbers yeah. when you're. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're talking about these um, when you're talking about these races, congressional races in a state like Nevada, where somebody that is from a state level, very similarly to to Florida, completely controlled by special interests and corporations. And uh, yeah, it's it's such an uphill fight. Um, and just rounding it out really quickly for the, the last um, sort of Bird Road approved, Bird Road promoted um, candidates. Ruben De Silva mm. uh, made a really good showing in, in District 1 against Dina Titus, yeah. who was an absolute powerhouse. Yeah, but that was still yeah. couldn't, couldn't get close. Um, 78%. He pulled in 21% of the vote, um, which, I mean, amongst our candidates, our sort of select progressive group of people who we were hoping could make some noise. Um, they made some noise, I suppose, but it just wasn't enough to to, to add up to anything on, on election day. Sure. They do have a treasurer named Bob Beers. <laughs> I'm bringing the beach. I'm bringing the beach. I'm bringing the beach. Well, here's my thing I was going to say. All right. I don't want to hear anybody complain anymore. I'm tired of it, man. If you're voting for people like Dina Titus and you're voting for people like, <laughs> like I don't even know. Clint Noble or Coble or Susie Lee right. even or Stephen Horsford over people who which is frankly are better candidates and 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 it's at this large of a margin we're nowhere near in our country being in the place where we need to be to like yeah. to not fall apart at the seams because the next if somehow the Democrats manage to erase this enormous lead that Republicans have and this this mythical blue wave that everybody keeps talking about happens. Dina Titus isn't the one that's going to actually make any kind of substantive change in your living conditions. Okay. She's not going to be the one that's going to have some kind of brave legislative agenda. That's going to put people at the, uh, at the head of, of all the considerations. She will be a Republican light because that's what these, all these exactly. people are. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it sucks. <laughs> That's all there really is to it. So uh, in in the um, news, I know you wanted to talk about um, uh, 
this story about suicide rates. Let's keep. Let's keep. Yeah, let, I know that you did a lot let, of preparation. Let's on keep this it one. down. <laughs> let's keep the mood as somber as possible. If you want, I could send you some music to score this. Jesus Christ! What else? <laughs> what else am I? What else am I talking about in this shit? The Cuba China sound attacks. Those are stupid. <laughs> those are funny. I don't though. know. I don't know about I mean, that. I, I missed the story. What is this? You haven't uh-huh. heard about this? So in Cuba, this started in Cuba and then in China. Um, uh, in the re- in recent years, what's been going on is um, diplomats or people who are there in, in those two countries in official capacities working on behalf of the U.S. government have started reporting um, hearing loss. Like they've, they're going deaf. And these are people who are presumably not of the age to be going deaf, right? To not be experiencing hearing loss. And um, what what they did was they they what they did was they they kind of tracked the source of it and they found these microtransmitters, these weird, sort of almost like sci-fi type, tiny little bugs that are um, are made to make you basically lose your hmm. hearing. They're implanted in in your apartment or you know where you live, your office, and. Oh, quietly over time, they make you. Yeah, they're probably they're probably they're probably slowly sending out some kind of uh, frequency that you can't really hear, but it's affecting your 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 uh, eardrums. And uh, since you can't hear it, you don't know to stop it, and it's just constantly wearing them out. I'm guessing. Um, Yes. Yeah, I think it's just like very high pitched tracks from Lil Uzi Vert. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is uh, this story is very dangerously close to being a conspiracy theory, though. Um, it sounds like one, you no, know, this is no, I could, story. I could tell Dude, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I could tell it's, it's from popular yeah, mechanics. They're not a popular mechanics is not exactly no, of a, course. a periodical that, per, that pervades. Yeah. I'm just saying it theories. sounds like one. It's like I, when I, when I first started reading, I'm like, wait, what? Like, you know, um, but yeah, of course not. Yeah. It's fucking weird. So yeah, it's it's still a mystery. I mean, it's been over two years now since this has started happening. Um, uh, the the end result is that a lot of these diplomats have been evacuated, or the, the the their missions have been evacuated, and they aren't going to be there anymore. Because like, fucking, why would you, dude? Yeah. I mean, um, it's 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 a crazy story, and I just thought that it was interesting and worthy of note that. I saw it pop up in my Twitter feed and I was like, oh, yeah, whatever happened with that? And read the popular mechanics story. Nothing. Nobody mm-hmm. knows. It's still a mystery. And um, that's a really fucked up way to attack Seriously. That... <laughs> so what about the millennials in the economy story that, that's been popping around? Did you see that this weekend? Or last weekend, I should say. Uh, I'm not sure. What What is the main thing that's been popping up just recently? Uh, maybe I have heard of it, just not. Okay, so it, all of this came from a big article that from um, Alicia Manel. Uh, Alicia Manel. Um, I'm not sure if it's Manel or Munnell. It's two N's, so it might be Manel, Munnell. But there's also two L's, so it might be Manel. Um, I guess we're never going to know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that. <laughs> So she was like a um, like a Clinton era uh, economist of some note. She uh, she was in various senior positions, just uh, you know, at the Fed and in a lot of um, 
higher ranking positions in, in, in the administration back then. Um, older now. She's a boomer, uh, like all the people ruining the world <laughs> and uh, or who have ruined the world. Let me make the tensing accurate. Um, now she's a director of the for these uh, director of the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College and a professor of management sciences at Boston College's Carroll School of Management at Boston College, which seems a little yeah, redundant. <laughs> Boston College's Carroll School of Management at Boston College. <laughs> Seems like there's just one too many Boston college, Boston's and one too many colleges. Say that in a Boston accent um, for me, real quick. <laughs> Alicia Manel is a <laughs> Alicia Manel is a director of the. We're not really sure if it's Manel or Manel. <laughs> just too much. Not really We're not sure. Not really sure if it's Manel or Manel. She's a director of our uh, center forwards. Hey, Alicia Manel. It's uh, the the director of uh, the Center for Retirement, kid. What are you, ta- what are you talking about? She's a researcher at uh, Boston College and a professor of uh, management sciences at Boston College's College School of uh, Management, you, you fucking yeah. monkey. You, you, you mule. Okay, continue. It's this, this, you simple fuck you. <sighs> Title of the article is Millennials and retirement. How bad is it? Now, that's 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 a pretty anodyne title, but the tag or the pull quote that they were using to promote it through social media that was getting so much attention um, was in the post. It was basically saying millennials might be able to retire, but they're going to have to work a lot harder than they're working and a lot harder than their parents yeah, worked. Right. So. It's like, okay, cool. And um, here's the lead. There's been a lot of hand-wringing over the retirement prospects of young Americans and the huge millennial generation in particular. Is all that worry misplaced? Politico asks Alicia Manel, Alicia Manel of Boston College, a veteran of the Treasury Department, the Council of Economic Advisors, and the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, perhaps the leading researcher of American retirement, to crunch the numbers and give us a definitive answer to the scope of the problem and offer a look forward. What I don't see in this article, what I don't see is an ounce of fucking introspection about why things are the way that they sure. are right now. It's like things just hatched this way. And again, mm-hmm. there's a really, you know, uh, Voxy style graph that goes along with this that shows why today, today's young, young adults are falling behind their parents and grandparents when it comes to building wealth and saving for retirement. The graph below compares the ratio of income to wealth for late baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials at the same age. I just, I was struck at how myopic this article was. And I think a lot of other people were too. It got made fun of a lot. Um, It got exoriated on, on Twitter because how blind you have to be to put this article out and put some fucking boomers wrinkled ass face on the front of it, writing about how working longer is a powerful lever. Social security claim, uh, social security benefits claimed at 70 instead of at 62 are at least 76% higher. And the additional years of work allow 401k asset. You know what else, what other like little dynamic that this doesn't mention that, yeah, probably during the, the the second iteration, like around when boomers started aging out, out of the workforce, we probably, about 10 to 12 years ago, we probably should have raged, raised their retirement age. Because why? First of all, boomers 
are too big. There's too many of them. The the mm-hmm. generation that had them was wildly uh, unsafe with their sexual promiscuity and made way too many kids. Um, that most all turned out to be weak garbage people, and <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna all live it well into their nineties. They're gonna right. live. They're they're the apex of of lifespan. We will probably live about the same as them, and millennials will probably live like less. They'll probably live a few years fewer than than um, than us, and then than than boomers. Stress and is a motherfucker. So now they have to work longer and live shorter, yep. just to continue to support this gilded generation of sociopathic babies. And I know I'm on this fucking <laughs> gen- generational warfare warfare shit, but in this case, it like it just the shoe fits. It the shoe fits. Yeah. So, fuck Alicia Manual. <laughs> At the at Bastion College, yeah, I I loved the line about uh, uh, working longer is going to help, or whatever it said. That's great. Have you ever, uh, dear millennials, have you ever walked into a Walmart or a uh, Target and seen the people, the wonderful, warm people that are greeting you at the front door? Maybe that could be you. Have you ever thought of that? <laughs> maybe you're being selfish by not being one of those people if you worked as a greeter at walmart you will definitely be able to afford college and a house no question if if you and your spouse both maintain two jobs and two full-time incomes maybe one day you'll have enough money to scrape together to share a pine box that you can both die in. Whereas... By the way, actually, that that reminds me. Uh, I saw probably the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life uh, two days ago while I was driving. Uh, you know, you know the people who are like standing on the sign, like flip the side of the road, uh, flipping signs, like you yeah, know, for a new sandwich shop or whatever. A guy was flipping a sign, like flipping joyously, actually, a sign that said, uh, "Need funeral money." anything helps god bless and he he was just like spinning it and i, I was like what the fuck is happening this like, is late, late stage capitalism people talk about it all the time yeah, and every right. once in a while you, you actually get to see it you get to see what it looks like and usually here's how you know if something is technically late stage capitalism is it funny when you talk about it on a podcast if so <laughs> Same thing as neoliberalism. Everybody always talks about like what is neoliberalism even. If you uh-huh. can make fun of it on a podcast, it's neoliberalism. <laughs> That's good. I, I learned something. <laughs> I'm not going to get into the suicide rate. This is just too much. Um, Anthony Bourdain obviously died uh, by, I don't know, have they confirmed that it was suicide? Like, is it 100% confirmed? Because I think a lot of people just sort of made that jump. I um, thought it was, but you're right. It, it could be not. Uh, you know, who knows nowadays with, with the and news. And this comes right after headlines. the designer Kate Spade committed suicide just two days before that. And now yeah, you had, you had suggested this story right the day in between. Days before. Days, yeah, yeah days it, before it, Bourdain. It was right after Kate Spade, right before uh, 
uh, Bourdain. So, and then um, just yesterday, I mean, this is not, I guess, not as a star quite as bright as either of those, but um, I guess one of the stars of uh, the TV show, The Goldbergs, was a really young kid. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really tragic in that way. Um, A 20-year-old actor whose name I forget, and um, he also committed suicide, and they say these things, they say there's some virality in suicide, like it is almost mm. like a contagion, like it, uh, it, 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 it does infect and manifest in the people who are more predisposed to it, um, by circumstances, by brain chemistry, by you know the general condition of their mental well-being. Um, it, it can be a trigger when these high-profile suicides are out there, uh, mm. or when there's a suicide in their life, like for instance, a colleague or a um, a classmate, because. Whether you like it or not, it does end up getting, I mean, like, I don't want to say glamorized, but it is a little glamorized because you get. Right. You get in the yeah. news and everybody news. shares people about are talking you. about you. Nobody talked about you now while you're alive. But I mean, people talked about Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade and this kid on this TV show. But, um, you know, you see how much more attention that they get. It's I don't know. I feel like any any every opinion on this is wrong. There's very deep and personal things that are happening with people that can't be wrapped up into these sweeping summations. Sure. Yeah, everybody's different when it comes to mental health and all that stuff. I was surprised, though, to find that, um, and again, we, we didn't really do our homework here. We, we were going to, I was going to, or you were going to try to find somebody who might be able to speak more intelligently on this, specifically since a, a crux of this story uh, that appeared in the Washington Post on June 7th by Amy Ellis Nutt, nice name, uh, is uh, <laughs> a crux of the story is in, in your backyard. And it's a CDC, right. it comes from CDC reports about suicide rates rising sharply um, across the U.S. Literally across the U.S. Every single state had a, had a measurable rise in suicide rate, except for one that had a dip in suicide rate. Uh, in, in the most recent data, um, our very own Nevada, which is makes, shocking to me. They don't really get into it in no the report. Sense. It makes no sense. Nevada always was a very high. There was a lot of suicide in Nevada when I lived there. I mean, there were yeah. people that were killing. Now, this is relative to the the state's. Each state is competing against itself in the past. So mm-hmm. it could just be that Nevada had like an unusually lighter year. And again, when we talk about. I mean, I'm looking at this at this at this graph here, and there are states like both of the Dakotas, um, Utah, uh, pretty, like a whole, all of the states that are bordering Nevada to the north and west, uh, the north and the east, I should say, uh, that had between 38 and 58 percent increase. That's an enormous number. Sure, the, um, Nebraska, Oklahoma. I'm looking at uh, Vermont and New Hampshire, South Carolina. These and every other state had pretty big increases. Nevada had a decrease, but only 1%. So that's almost negligible. It's almost a stasis. I, I was going to say 1%. And also maybe it was already so much higher that a decrease in 1% still makes it bad as far as the overall country is concerned, uh, you know, comparatively speaking. Because, uh, yeah, when you first sent me this story, um, you know, I told Gina about it. And she, like, uh, for this uh, organization here in Vegas called Right Society, an activist group, uh, she headed up the um, uh, the the mental health uh, branch of it for a while, and she was saying that this is 
literally the worst state as far as like mental health, uh, people being able to get help and stuff like that. And then I talked to another person too, uh, just the other day who also, uh, said the same thing that, that that's absolutely correct. So it doesn't really make sense. It would be going down. I only can imagine that it was already so high that a 1% dip, uh, it stands out, but it might still be worse off than maybe another state that went up a little bit, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's no matter, no matter what, it's a sign of bad things. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I think it has the Nevada quandary or um, riddle and that's baked into this has more to do with Nevada competing against itself. Like I said, it's, yeah. oh, it's a terrible mental health state. Like it's a terrible state. It's a terrible state to need help in. Yeah. Nevada is a horrible place to have to avail yourselves to um, the state or the government or any kind of assistance programs. It's uh, opaque. It's Kafkaesque. It's difficult to manage. I mean, I've, I've 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 seen people and known people who've tried to get welfare and social security and disability and uh, Nevada makes it probably as difficult or more difficult than virtually any other red meat Republican state. Even though it's it's a purple state, it's a firmly purple state. They it's you're not just going to get into into some great social program um, that's going to help you live your best life or recover from whatever is is kind of keeping you down, whatever's whatever your condition is, you're probably going to get worse and not better in Nevada. That probably is the reason. It's probably just a quirk of numbers, like, you know, that it was inc inconceivably shitty and, and it improved by about 1% <laughs> over the course here's a, to here's a, here's just a slightly less inconceivably shitty. Um, there are six psychiatrists for every 100,000 Nevadans. That's Jesus uh, Christ. yeah, that's that's no good. Everybody should be going to a psychiatrist. Every person, every living person, should be going to a psychiatrist. Probably everybody is a mess. Everyone, every maybe, yeah. I mean, like you definitely need to be. <laughs> it's wildly irresponsible that you're not. So yeah, let's head over to our B block where we were able to um, talk to Ryan Lindsay, who's running for the state house in Wyoming, on a pretty progressive platform which yeah is probably not the first thing you associate with the words Wyoming state house. Sure. So let's listen. All right. So our guest today is somebody who's trying to make a difference in the state house where, where he's from, which runs pretty red. This is the Laramie County Democratic Party chair who has made the choice to run for the state house in District 12 in Wyoming. Uh, his name is Ryan Lindsay, and he's a uh, healthcare professional who is a little bit more pro progressive of a voice than, than we're used to hearing from in a pretty deeply red state like Wyoming. And we brought him on to, to talk about what it's like running out there. Um, Ryan, welcome to Bird Road. Oh, thank you for having me on. So let, let's let's get to that. I mean, for our listeners who are heavily concentrated in more maybe metropolitan areas or uh, specifically the, co the coastal areas, what's what are the issues that you that your potential future constituents are are dealing with in um, in, a, in a place like Wyoming? Well, in Wyoming, you really have to, uh, especially if you're going to run uh, as a Democrat, um, Wyoming is about 70 percent re Republican. So if you're going to run uh, as a Democrat, you really have to focus on 
on the issues that matter to everybody. You can't get yourself lost in the weeds of um, uh, of too many uh, uh, side conversations. You really have to focus on the things that are really important uh, to everybody here, and uh, yeah, and and that's basically you know w what I call um, you know the five, and uh, those five are education. Um, we've we've lost a lot of money out of our education budget and our economy we have got to diversify our economy wyoming unfortunately is a uh, is kind of a one trick pony and uh basically if if you're not in the you know if you're not in the business of extracting energy uh then wyoming's tax code uh, is a big question mark for you so that just doesn't really lend itself to us drawing in businesses who otherwise might be very happy to come here and so that's something we've got to address also and this is and this is the one thing that's important to everybody and and uh sometimes people say we should shy away from it no we can't you you have to you have to talk about healthcare healthcare is important to everybody everyone's got different opinions on it but if you if you don't address it people know you're not serious and they just ignore you so you have to talk about healthcare wyoming did not expand medicaid and we've suffered as a result of it. And also we're a very rural state with a sparse population. So we've got to do creative things to attract um, insurers. We've also got to do creative things to attract um, people who want to come here because they can get uh, decent insurance. We also have to do a lot to get health care to people who live in rural communities. And we also have to um, worry about one thing that a lot of states don't have to worry about and that's public lands public lands is a huge issue in wyoming because we have very very large tracts of open federal land that anybody can come and and use and visit and there are a lot of people just like in other states like you know uh heard you guys are in florida so <laughs> uh, a lot of people won't uh, understand this but um i'm guessing you you've all been to panama city beach Oh, sure. I have not since I was younger, but yeah. Yeah. Do you know that, uh, it's younger, skinnier. Yes. Do you know that, um, that, the, you know, how that highway stretch goes over it's, it's raised off of the land so sure, that you can the, drive uh, down and yeah. see the beach. Yeah. 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 Well, you can't see the beach anymore because it's high rise condos all the way down. Yeah. It's a and lot of the same thing here in, my, in Miami right now. Very, very similar. It's like you, you would assume that these sort of um, real, really splendid, and you guys have incredible natural resources that people can can appreciate there. But so many mm -hmm. commercial sort of trappings get in the way. Same thing here. I live in Miami. Miami Beach was this beautiful sort of walkable place 20, 30 years ago. And like you say, now it's just covered in condominiums and it's impossible to mm -hmm. really appreciate it. Everybody sort of herded into one area. Yep, and that's and you know there are people who want to make that uh, happen in Wyoming, and uh, and and that you know that has to be stopped. What you know, open access to public lands has to be protected. And then uh, the last thing, and this is this is more kind of my thing, just because I want to. I think that um, if if everyone does this, then uh, you know, as a whole, we'll be we'll be much better, and that's community um involvement uh, communities need to do more uh working together and uh and celebrating together 
Uh, they need, to, you know, when, um, you know, when someone when someone falls down, uh, it, it is ultimately up to the community to to pick them up. And then, and, and you know, we see that happen all the time with Meals on Wheels, uh, Habitat for Humanities, and uh, and and the list goes on and on. But uh, we need to we need to see a lot more of that. And I want the I want the state to put some uh, money and resources behind that. So that's interesting you say that because I um, lived uh, as my co-host here, Dave, currently lives in in Las Vegas in Nevada. I lived there for eight years, went to college there, and I think there's a little bit of similarity similarity between the states of Nevada and Wyoming in that there's a sort of fierce, um, uniquely American individualism that is about you know bootstrap type uh, type stuff and being tough and making it on your own and not burdening other people with your problems, and that tends to somehow run contrary with this community everybody helping out it doesn't have to right i mean people can be a statewide like wyoming it's people can keep their their ethos and their their what makes them be people from wyoming and also be community driven they actually go hand in hand you know everyone always talks about you know their um their their rights and their you know their freedom as an American to do as they want and everything, and that's and that's great. But that's only one half of the of the of the conversation. The other half is your responsibilities. You know, you you, know, you are a part of a community. You are a part of a of a state. You are a part of a country, and it's it, it's your responsibility to do your to do your role to um, to improve that society. And when you, I mean, yeah, and when you lift your your neighbors up you you are fulfilling that role because we you know it, you know can you get help from the federal government yeah you can can you get help from the state yeah you can but it takes quite a while to make that happen <laughs> mm. so it's much it's much faster if a group of people come together and say this is a problem we're going to fix it and then we're going to have a and then we're going to have a beer and celebrate about it later <laughs> so you uh yeah no i mean like you guys could i look i went to unlv i remember when 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 uh uh-huh. wyoming fans would would come to town and uh sometimes <laughs> kick our butt usually kick our butt in football and then we would kick your butt in basketball but that was back in the late 90s early 2000s um but uh it, let's talk a little bit about your race in particular right because you've got somebody who's um who's uh, i believe tell me if i get this name right lars loan is that the the well, current holder um, the the current who's... yes that is the cur- that is a person who currently uh, holds that office but he has not uh, run he, he is not running for re-election right so your your opponent in a general would be a, a seems based on my research from somebody by the name of Clarence Stiver so tell me about Clarence and what your wedge issues are which based on your platform I think are are a plenty well. Um... Uh, Clarence is actually running in a primary against a lady named uh, Connie uh, Gargeski. I believe that's how I pronounce her name. If uh, if she's listening and I've butchered it, I apologize. Um, <laughs> but uh, they have to they have to sort their their platform out, and or sorry, they have to sort their primary out. Uh, I do not have a primary challenger, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, and to tell you the truth, uh, I, I think uh, we're entering a new era in politics. Uh, because I think uh, Americans, by and large, and uh, certainly Wyomingites, are absolutely sick and tired of listening to uh, candidates um, 
uh, talk about each other rather than talk about themselves. And, uh, and I think what they want to see is people running for office say, if you elect me, this is what I'll do. Not if you right. elect my opponent, this is what they'll do. And oh man, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's what the discourse has turned into. I mean, from the top, from the, the very top of, uh, and like, I mean, we're not above it. We, if you listen to our show, you know that we make very clear the difference between even intra-party, like the difference between the the further left Democrats and the centrist Democrats. But you're right. It's, it's a, I can imagine when you're talking about a constituency that I was looking at the statistics, it was really about 10,000, it's about 10,000 uh, Wyoming, Wyomingites that, that are in this district. And on that mm-hmm. level, I think that you're probably right that uh, the the negative stuff will probably play. I mean, this is this is somebody who presumably is your neighbor and within a few miles from you. He actually, I I can actually see my his house from my house. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> and it's kind of sad too when it's within the same uh, party. You know, during these primaries and you know people who are or are only separated by small amounts of issues that are just straight up attacking each other well and i think uh, um i i think it's just gotten and and social media is to a certain degree responsible for some of this yes absolutely. Uh, because it's created a lot of these kind of silos where you know if if if, if you don't agree with me 100% yeah. rather than you know talk about the things that we agree on and how to get those accomplished we're going to spend all this time talking about the, you know, the 5% or the 10% or whatever it is that, uh, that we don't agree on. And, and, you know, <laughs> oftentimes you see people, you know, quite literally yelling at each other <laughs> saying that, you know, well, you're wrong about this 5%. Like guys, you're 95% there. Just, just work on that. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, just, you know, the, I mean, you don't have to, and, and, you know, we just had our state convention and we had, yeah, we had some, we had some fights over, uh, I'm not kidding. We had fights over commas. <laughs> I, Dave, I, I wish I was kidding, but Dave, I'm not. Dave is involved with the, with the Clark County, uh, 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 democratic party. And he has seen quite a bit of divisiveness that literally, yeah. <laughs> uh, devolves into, almost physical violence and sometimes physical violence. And it's so disheartening. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, it's seriously something that needs to be addressed within our party. Oh yeah. Here, well, and here I tell, Miami, uh, everybody's, I tell folks, kind of, everybody's sort of on yeah. the same, on the same page a little bit more, but I'm sorry, what were you about to say? Well, I mean, you know, I, I tell folks all the time, I say, well, look, you know, and you know, no one, and this, it, a lot of this does to a certain degree, go, go back to, the Democratic Party, the way it was in 2016, we were kind of, mm-hmm. you know, split pretty evenly between the two candidates, which is, which is always tough. You know, if it's 70 30, it's a little bit easier to kind of sort that mm-hmm. out. But I mean, yeah, we were pretty well split between uh, Bernie and Hillary. I was a big Bernie guy. I got to go to Philadelphia and serve as one of his delegates. Um, and, uh, but you know what I always tell folks is, look, if you know Bernie guys, if you can't look in the eyes of a of a Hillary voter and see yourself, and Hillary voters, if you can't look in the eyes of a Bernie voter and see yourself, then how in the hell are you going to talk to a Trump voter? Yeah, right. right. And exactly. if you cannot talk to a Trump voter, a you are going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That actually is a very good segue because. 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on, from your perspective, where are the mistakes? Let me let me make some context here. Okay, just recently, really great great, great wins for people who support uh, unionization and labor in uh, in states like West Virginia and Oklahoma, um, and coming out of those wins, there are voices that were um, on the sort of liberal left that were saying things like, oh, well, you know, maybe they should be voting for more Democrats if they want to uh, enjoy more victories like these are more concessions or have, have better collective bargaining, less right to work states. And it, that always, every time it devolves into this uh, conversations from people who have never set foot in those states talking about how backwards the state is. What is the biggest misconception when you talk to people who aren't from Wyoming in the context of politics about Wyoming and what do you wish people knew more about the constituents there and the people, your neighbors? Um, well, I mean, it, it, it ultimately comes down to, um, I mean, you know, it, it really is just geography. I mean, sometimes, you know, even people in Denver, if they come up to, uh, to Cheyenne and they spend some time in this, in this giant rural area we have around around Cheyenne, then yeah, they are going to have a little bit of a culture shock because people do, you know, people are different. Uh, you know, for for us, uh, dressing up um, is a, you know a pair of jeans and a button-up shirt, <laughs> <laughs> and we, uh, it, we and we don't like um, yeah, we don't like uh, uh, blackguards and uh, and blowhards all that much. Uh, we tend to we tend to appreciate um uh people who you know you know keep their you know keep their nose clean and uh and uh you know and do right by their neighbors uh we we tend to appreciate that um the, the i'd say the biggest misconception is that you know if a state is red and and most rural states are pretty red um just because the people in those states are, you know, financially and socially a little bit conservative, and the Republicans identify as a conservative party, so those states are mostly red. That that follows that train of thought. Mm -hmm. But the idea that everyone who uh, lives in Wyoming is, you know, is a Republican and owns a ranch and rides a horse and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, and, uh, and has a certain mindset. That's just, you know, that, that's just completely wrong. Um, there's, uh, are there some people in Wyoming who are like that? Yes. But uh, that is not the entire state. That's not even, uh, the majority of the state. That's, it's kind of like saying that everyone who lives in California has, has dreadlocks, smokes pot, and surfs all day. It's just not. It, it, it's yeah, a no, fun it's little like, stereotype. It's only like ninety percent of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's. I mean, you know, and and that's the other thing is that uh, you know, it, and we were talking about this earlier, but you know, people try to they try to pigeonhole other people into a particular. Um, you know, in, into a particular framework based on their uh, preconceived uh, notions about them. And they get that from the national media. They get that from social media. And what they really should do is, you know, go into 
you know, they should go into some of these areas, you know, find a place like we have a place called the, um, the Blue Horseshoe uh, Breakfast uh, Cafe. And it's where sounds a lot delicious. of people. It know, sounds amazing. Anything yeah, called Blue Horseshoe <laughs> Breakfast Cafe? It sounds, sounds delicious. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, folks should really just go in there and meet with a, a lot of the guys who uh, eat there and, and uh, spend time there. They, you know, they're union guys. They're, uh, they're railroaders. A lot of them are coal miners. A lot of them are ranchers. Uh, a lot of them are just local government uh, people. A lot of them are law enforcement. Uh, but if you just spend some time and 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 talk to those folks, you'll find that you know almost all those uh, preconceived no- preconceived notions are wrong. They just have a if 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 anything is universally true about Wyoming, it's that its people do tend to like wide open spaces rather than cramped in <laughs> uh, livings. I can feel that sometimes, especially after my drive home just now in rush hour through Miami traffic. Like, <laughs> kind of. Ice. I yeah, did that one maybe. time. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny, though. You know, I always wonder as being, you know, okay, if we're going down the road of like the stereotypes, right? The stereotypes of the uh, the, the, liberal, the liberal metropolitan voter, the guy who lives, the guy or girl who lives in the city who's, a, you know, a metropolitan dweller and lives a specific kind of lifestyle. And the assumption is that for, um, for uh, somebody who doesn't live in that, in, in that reality, for them to adopt the politics of that, they, they need to embrace a change in culture. Like they need to say, uh, yeah, Laramie is going to become like New York city. And it's like, I feel like that's probably a big challenge for people like you ha- saying, look, we can, we can go down the, the, the um the path of pursuing these policies without changing who we are like we can be uh more forward thinking in the, in the things that we want to do without turning into a completely different culture i mean do you find that that is a conversation you have a lot with with people i do um but uh but the the other thing there is that um like say for example we we talk about the issue of um you know uh gay marriage which which uh, comes up a lot around here, and uh, the 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 the, uh, the place you're going to go with it, or the place you're going to wind up um, uh, going uh, with it when you start that conversation, especially if you start it with somebody who is a um, you know a a Republican and uh, and uh, socially conservative is. Say, look, I don't mind them, you know. I don't mind them doing whatever they do. I just don't want. I just don't want it in my face all the time. That's the, you know, that, the that's usually the first line, thing yeah. that you'll hear. That old saw, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, and that goes back to not necessarily that they, you know, they don't approve of your lifestyle or they don't think you have a right to it or anything like that. They just don't like it when people, um when people are in their face about things, they just, they, they, that just immediately turns them off. And it doesn't matter if it's something they support or something they're they're They might be hesitant about when you, you know, when you are forceful with them about it, they go, what you, what are you talking about? You know, why are you in my yeah. face? Knock it off. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a level of discomfort that, that, that when you, when you address those issues in an environment like that, I mean, it's not going to be comfortable because there is 
pretty you know like with the with the voter the person the guy the girl that you just described there's some locked in parts of of them that i mean unless literally unless like a very another very famous um wyomingite uh adopted wyomingite dick cheney who had a a very famous change of heart on that specific issue but it was like so many other times just like my congresswoman Ileana roslayton had a change on that issue it's because it hit home because it was a son right. or a daughter who uh you know kind of opened their eyes to it so yeah you're right a lot of that a lot of that behavior or a lot of those opinions are kind of locked in unless something you know and, and, and you're right the the, fur, the the more you try to push it the more you're going to shut it down the the more it's going to be uh, an issue that is not even up for consideration in their mind mm-hmm. but if you do it yeah but if you do it this way if instead of uh, coming to instead of coming to them and saying well, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm homosexual, or I'm, uh, I'm this, and and I deserve to, I deserve to get married, and you're a bigot if you don't agree with me, and all this stuff. Instead of doing that, if you, you know, if, if, like if you if you allow someone to get to know this person, and you say, okay, you know, look at them, you know, they're God, they're a hard worker. They, you know, they always show up on time, and you know, they they volunteer in their community, and. And they just donated money for this, and and they've you know they've been married for this long, and all this stuff, and then and they go, yeah, you know, I really like this person. They're you know, they you know they've always been very friendly to me, and and they and then you say, well, guess what? Say what? You know that person what? they're married to, they're they're yeah. another woman, and they say exactly. They say what? I said yeah. <laughs> they said well, that turned it on its head, didn't it? And they go <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did, Maybe I've been wrong about these people. Maybe the stuff I see on Fox News about this is wrong. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it has to be that, you know. And I think that that's probably one of the challenges. I I lived in – I grew up in New York, but I I lived in a kind of a a more rural area of New York when I was uh, like age like 9 to 13. And one of the things I I was struck by was just – it almost seems obvious to say it, but in rural areas, you just don't meet as many people like on quantifiably, like you just don't meet the, the same volume of people, which means mm-hmm. you don't a lot of times in, encounter have those encounters. The ones that you're talking about, they come few and far between. And those are your real learning moments. Like when did you meet when did you meet your first gay kid in in, in, in school, in high school? When did you meet, um, you know, first person from. Uh, you know, a, a, a Middle Eastern country or a Muslim country. You know, when did you meet the the first person? I don't know. That was different in some other kind of way. And that's like you said before. It's geography. A lot of it can be a geographical disadvantage. But you know, I think we we make a mistake, and I know I definitely make the mistake sometimes of just thinking people who hold a specific position are just ghouls, and there's just no changing them. And that's not the case. And it's it's refreshing to you know kind of talk to somebody like you who deals with people that are that that are further right on the spectrum than um, frankly than we usually talk to or or, or interact with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and and uh, I mean I kind of grew up that way, so I can understand it. I was you know I was raised in Wyoming, and I you know I was I was very socially and uh, fiscally conservative, and and you know I, I had a lot of those you know those same uh, mindsets, but then, you know, I moved away. I actually lived in 
you know, Tallahassee, Florida <laughs> for nine years. <laughs> the and, big uh, city. <laughs> yeah, the big city. Yeah, I'm telling you. It's like all those trees. Yeah. yeah I'm good. <laughs> and, you know, you know, there's Florida State, you know, the University of Florida was nearby and, you know, uh, FAMU and everything. And, you know, you, you get exposed to, you know, to, a, you know, different mindsets and different people. And and I, I guess I'm fortunate that I, I came up when I did, because when I when I told those people. Uh, the way I thought about things, you know, they, they didn't yell at me. They didn't tell me I was wrong. They didn't tell me I was a bigot. They just, they would say things to me like, um, well, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. You know, what, you know, where, where, where is this, where is this coming from? What, what evidence have you seen of that? And eventually you just, you just analyze it to death and you go, right. <laughs> yeah, you think about it. You know, why am I, yeah, why do I think Yeah, why am I? Why am I bigoted towards these people? As a, and then eventually you just go, you know what? I'm not. I don't care. <laughs> yep. It's like, yeah. Are um, they hardworking? Yeah. Are they honest? Yes. Are they, you know, do they contribute? Yes. All right. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> God, if that could just happen times about 50 million across this country, I think we'd be in a, if like a realization, a, a, a moment of clarity, like this like clarion call could just, Hit people like that across the country, man. I think we'd be in, we'd be in really good shape. Well, and it and it can, and it and it does. But but the thing about it is, you, you we will not we will not get there. You know, I mean, uh, and I see it every time. I see it all all the time on both sides of the aisle with this this uh, this uh, shaming thing. Yeah. It just it, you know it, it does not work. Does it sometimes get people to shut up? Yeah, but it doesn't change their heart. Right. So if you want to change their heart and mind, you've got to keep them going. I want to change gears a little bit to go from this sort of um, more social conversation that we're having to some more brass tacks. Because uh, another area where I think that um, that Nevada and also Utah uh, share some um, similarities with Wyoming is in in the beauty and the splendor of, of the natural land out there, but also in sort of the jeopardy that it's in. I'm a little more familiar with a lot of the existential threats that, um, you know, Nevada and Dave can probably speak to them pretty well too, that a lot of the, you know, places like Red Rock and things like that in Nevada, um, have, have got, you know, they're, they're like perpetually under, under siege from private interests and developers. Same thing happening in Utah, obviously talk about what the land use challenges are in Wyoming and like what you want to do about that. Oh, well, uh, that's, uh, yeah, the policy there is that we've got, you know, uh, there are a lot of people who want to, um, and and this move uh, requires two. It, it's a two-part move that, that we see. Uh, step one is purchase federal land um, from the federal government at whatever price, and and you do that under the guise of saying, well, the state can manage this money better than the federal government, and then once you have purchased that land then you, as the state, have the right to transfer it to a private entity. And that's the second part. And ah. they, um, and, and, and so you, the, the first part, usually people don't get too stuck on. They go, well, yeah, I no. think our state could probably run this land better. Than anybody. You know, For intuitively, sure. that's they message, think that. That's a message that's going to hit the ears of, of, of those constituents very well. The, yeah, of course, my state 
is has my interest at heart better than the federal government does. But then, of course, it it becomes an issue of, oh, well, you know, yeah, the federal government used to maintain this land, and now we have to. And say, well, we don't have the resources to do that. Well, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to sell it. Okay. So we sell it. Now it's private land. Now there's a no trespassing sign. Now you can't hunt there. You can't fish there. You can't camp there. Oops. And so that's, I mean, it happened in Idaho. It happened in Utah. It's happened in Nevada. It's a, yeah. And so far it hasn't happened in Wyoming, but that's not because they haven't been trying. Right. What can be, what are the loopholes of the legislative solutions that can be um, addressed? I mean, is this a thing where there is enough political will? Because I, and a lot of times with the land use issues, that touches on a very, um, you know, like that works obviously on the, on the left side of the island. And sometimes it also uh, also hits the the more libertarian leaning Republican side. And you can get a little bit of bipartisanship on that issue. Is that the case in, in, in your state legislature? I mean, do you think that there could be um, an, a, a groundswell of support for something to for some sort of legislation that would prevent this kind of land use abuse? I think uh, what you would need to do uh, to, to put a large enough roadblock in front of it that nobody would try it is you would need a state constitutional amendment. Mm-hmm. And that would... I think that would be uh, big and broad enough that, you know, the people who, who want to try this would say, no, it's, it's, it's going to be too tough to do this in Wyoming, so just don't try it. And I think there is enough support out there for that, uh, for that to pass, simply because I think a lot of state legislatures are just – our legislators here are absolutely sick and tired of fighting this fight every single year because <laughs> every year there's a new – a new set of bills coming up to say, well, you know, Wyoming can do this. And then, and if we do this, then we'll get this. And all. And every year we have to fight the same thing all over again. And it's, it gets pretty tiring. So if there was a state uh, constitutional amendment that said, no, you cannot do this. It violates the state constitution. So knock it off. So if you are within the sound of my voice and you're in the 12th district in Wyoming, uh, the deadline to register to vote is August 6th. I believe your primary is going to be on August 21st. So, yep, be sure to register and then vote for uh, for Ryan Lindsay, who's uh, running for District 12. Um, what what kind of website? What's your website? Where can where can people go and learn more about you? Okay, yeah, they can go to www.fighting4us.org, and that's my website. They can see... Um, uh, all of my pos- policy positions there. They can. Uh, there's a link to volunteer and a link to contribute if they'd like to do that. And yeah, uh, August 21st is a primary, and then November 6th is the general election. That must have been a tough uh, domain to get. That's a that's a great domain. It name. actually wasn't. Really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah we tried. Uh, yeah, fighting for us. dot com was obviously taken, and then fighting f o r us.org was taken, but fighting number four us.org was not. I think it's great. That's a good one. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what, that's what it's about. It's not about, not about an individual. It's about all of us. Absolutely.
right so that was our interview that was stupid why would i say that um <laughs> so that was our interview all right love and hate dave i'll tell you what i love okay i love the incredible job that our president is doing um on the topic of north korea i think uh you know, there's no telling what could have gone into that agreement. Um, North Korea is the big story right now. Uh, and it's honestly kind of hot taked out. So I, I, I don't know. I don't think that there's like a lot to say. I just think that a lot of good um, memes coming out of it. Yeah, a lot of good memes. Lot of good, <laughs> <laughs> a, somebody dusted off the old um, don't you ever talk to me or my son ever again meme with uh, Trump and Kim Jong-un standing next to each other. <laughs> no, the reason I have North Korea under my love is because like, fuck, it's not bad. It's not bad if, if there's if there's less tension and people I think are, are constitutionally incapable of, of remembering or understanding how North Korea got to the point uh, that it's at right now where it has been so hostile and so belligerent towards the United States and the rest of the world. I'll give you a hint. It's not because of North Korea that they're that way. Uh, mm -hmm. North Korea basically was incinerated by the United States and, <laughs> and its allies during, during the Korean war. And we lost, you know, uh, tens of thousands of men in that war uh, of, of soldiers. And so they lost like millions of people and the overwhelming majority of them were civilian casualties. They bombed, uh, we, our country bombed Pyongyang into, in, in, into rubble. We bombed it 405,000 times. We dropped 405,000 bombs on a city that only had 400,000 400, residents at the time. <laughs> so God. it wasn't really that long ago. Think about if everybody that you know over the age of, really, if you think about it, over the age of 30, anybody over the age of 30 had a parent or an uncle or a relative who died in the same way who everybody you know i had a dad that died in the in the korean war your you know two of your grandparents died in it um you know you had uh maybe maybe uh, your girlfriend had like a, a couple of aunts that she never got to meet that died in it right and yeah. the grief that that gets carried with intergenerationally and uh, across time you, you like it's really hard to blame the North Korean people, but somehow our media and people who are just so dead set against Donald Trump, which yeah, sure. I mean, like you should be, he's the worst fucking thing in the world, but <laughs> like, I, I just, I have a hard time squaring that circle where it's like, okay, so now I have to be against him. So I have to be for war. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Like I'm for, I'm against him for sure, but it's I mean, you know what it is? It's like if, like, let's say that you leave a bunch of like like a mess of food, like a like two bags full of like messy, greasy Roberto's Taco Shop food on your counter, and it's just like a big nasty mess, and you're lazy and you don't want to throw it out, mm. and then like. A, like a mentally challenged bat gets into your house and starts <laughs> knocking everything over and breaking everything and busting everything in your house. And then it also sort of accidentally knocks all that food into the garbage can for you. You're like, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. 
but you're still fucking up my house. You mentally <laughs> challenged fucking bat. That's <laughs> that's what the situation was. It's like, I mean, you know, the bat's going to accidentally do something good, right? I mean, there's a chance that he knocks all the shitty taco food into the into the uh, into the trash can. And that's what just happened this weekend. Like that, that was a, a mentally challenged analogy. bat knocked some trash into a trash can <laughs> by accident. By accident. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's my love. What's your love? Um, love my, bug. My my love. My I I was having trouble deciding whether or not it's a love or a hate. But um, it's I always I, shit with you, man. It's I know. I I, I always have weird loves and hates. I don't know. What Vacillate. I know, but uh, I I love these old Republican. A lot of them are Italians who now mm. all all of the sudden think that Robert De Niro is the worst hack actor ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they have to constantly share the. And fact where have that, they been? While the I've been saying that for twenty years. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Robert De Niro, what you know what that reminds me? That reminds me of I I I tweeted the other day that somebody posted a screenshot from um I don't remember which one of Trump's wife's books it was or what expose it was from, but I (laughs) it was it was a screenshot from a book where whichever one is Don Jr.'s mom, I think that was Ivana, right? Ivana Trump was Don Don Donald Jr.'s mom. I think so. So she said basically the, the screen cap was from the book where she was recounting asking if if um Trump wanted to name their son Donald Jr. And he recoiled at that idea. He was like, No, I can't do that. And she was like, Why? And he was like, What if he turns out to be a loser? <laughs> <laughs> and I tweeted, I was like, God damn, man, every once in a while this guy really makes me want to like him. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'm like, "Yeah, all right, let's see the appeal." Yeah, <laughs> and I bet he wishes he could take that back. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, you got Sorry. him. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's about it. I'm good. I'm good. My hate would be, holy shit! Are you seeing the slew? And I know this doesn't mean anything because these are all people who are going to get like. 2800 votes and fall into obscurity by the way more more votes than a lot of our quality like really good progressive candidates that we've been supporting will be getting Mm -hmm. but um my hate is the just the parade of mutants that are coming out of the woodwork to run for the running republican primaries Mm -hmm. there's a guy i think in virginia who is an admitted and proud um uh pedophile Mm -hmm. um there's a guy there's a guy, another guy in Virginia who I think is running for governor who um, make every there, there hasn't been a photo op in front of a, uh, a rebel flag that he hasn't um, that he hasn't jumped in front of to do. Then there's the white nationalist dude in Illinois in like the outlying area outside of Chicago um, who's an unapologetic white nationalist. And they did a, a, a piece on him where he he was like yelling at voters and telling them that they're idiots and he doesn't want them to vote for him because they're too stupid. <laughs> and what I hate, now I'm realizing it because it's easy to just hate those people. But that's like hating the wind or hating the weather. 
Sure. We're hating a tornado. <laughs> what I hate is now it's popping in my mind that I remembered the last time that that guy, the worst of them, of all the ones, the fucking, the, 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 the goddamn goblins that I've seen getting profiled for running for office, um, got 20,000 votes, which in that district is, you know, a very small number because it's Chicago. It's like, it's outlying areas of like heavily densely populated outlying areas of Chicago. So there, there's probably like out of, I don't know, 80,000, 80,000 Republican voters, 20,000 of them voted for this guy. And um, I'm sure a whole bunch of them probably didn't even know who he was. They just liked his name or something like that. But still, 20,000 20, voters voted for him. And the people that we were talking about at the top of this show, not a single one of them got to 20,000 votes. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane to me. Huh. And it's fucking infuriating. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the same uh, level with you there for my hate of the week. I mean, I know we talked about it earlier in the show, but... Uh, you know, the, the, the voter turnout is terrible as always. Um, I think it was like 20 to 22% or something like that here in Nevada. Um, and, you know, it's just a, another reminder that, you know, money in politics is really all it's about. And without something changing in there, uh, yeah. what, 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 exactly. is, what is yeah, exactly going to change? What, what is going to change? How is anything going to change? Um, it, you know, it also is something I was talking to Gina about too. Um, you know, you know, a lot of our our friends and and progressive candidates like to you know model them model themselves after Bernie Sanders, uh, which is great and all. But the the problem is Bernie Sanders had how many years was he in the Senate? Um, and how how many well, how many yeah forever yeah how many books did he have? How many appearances on TV and and you know talk shows and all that stuff. It's like trying to. Yeah, he had already carved out a niche yeah. um, reputation for himself as even back when he was a mayor of. I think he started as a mayor mayor of Burlington, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and um, he had always been this an, an oddity during the sure. the um yeah. the. I always used to love him when he was on uh, Real Time using with Bill the word Moore. socialist, like saying that you're a socialist and just coming out there and being like America's only elected socialist. Oh, you know, <laughs> and then it's like he turns out to just be this very reasonable guy right. with like you know. <laughs> very populist ideas and you know yeah it was yeah but but yeah it's like to to try to start that from the bottom of of the whole grassroots thing and the no uh, corporate money thing it's like i just you know it's just a a reminder of that i don't see how that's going to happen yeah it, what a what a unicorn he is yeah he's a unicorn because of his constituency yeah. mainly because of the way that they feel about him yeah. and his vested long-term presence with them. Like he's just, I mean, it's ridiculous when people try to say that they're in the Bernie Sanders mold. And I know a lot of our friends try to do that. A lot of our friends who are running for office, a lot of the people we talk about that like, yeah, no, I see myself. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Like it does make sense that they are. It's admirable to, to want to do that. It's just the right traits. Yeah. And, you know, Bernie's right on most almost every issue. He's right, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I don't agree with Bernie Sanders on every issue, but definitely more than most other candidates other than maybe like Jeremy Corbyn. Um, like so it doesn't appear like there's a path forward, not in the way that 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 America has sort of um, that that all of the drivers of the way that our democracy work have sort of cemented just kind of thickened and hardened yeah calcified calcified right? yeah. It, there's no room for 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 movement in the, the the progressive direction anymore there's no 
all of the popular uprisings are in the wrong vein. They're all about being pissed off that, um, you know, they're, they're all about being pissed off that Brooklyn Nine-Nine got canceled. Like, that's our popular <laughs> uprisings. Like, our popular uprisings aren't even right. And they happen in the wrong places, in places that are meaningless, like Twitter. And I don't know. Yeah. It's infuriating. So don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs> For another this, fun episode. This, <laughs> this is a fucking downer, man. I feel like that's what it was. Is last night. That's what it was. It just feels shitty. Yeah. It feels shitty. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we'll start getting some more friends, uh, some more people uh, in particular. Hopefully, I'll get we'll some Yeah, friends. we'll generally. <laughs> hopefully, we'll get some more friends. That's not what I was going to say. I was going to say, hopefully, we'll get some more friends like Ryan Lindsay. But I was what I meant to say was, hopefully, we'll get more people like Ryan yeah. Lindsay, our guest today, who I want to thank from district running for uh, running for um, the state house in Wyoming in District 12. Um you know, more people like like that will have more successful runs. Um, I think this will have to be an incremental gain, although I just kind of feel like it's going to be incremental in the other way. Like slowly, we're going to start being more interested in muscle cars and <laughs> tattoos and shit. And like we're like going to it's going to be less about the the issues that you know, the positions that we're that we're trying to talk about um, podcast movement. Why don't you? Why don't you read through this? I think I'm gonna fall asleep on this fucking board with <laughs> with depression. Yeah, podcast movement, July 23rd to 26th. Come see Q talk, and also hang out with us. And uh, entre dos, subscribe, rate, and review. Listen to the new episodes, piecing it together. Subscribe, rate, and review. Listen to the new episodes. Uh, we're now on uh, Stitcher. Um, also, I'm on TuneIn Radio for piecing it together. I'm not sure if you got Man, we've been on there. Stitcher. Yeah, yeah, we're on Stitcher. And a uh, new double episode of Piecing It Together coming this Friday uh, on First Reformed, and you were never really here. Man, my dick been hard. <laughs> Man, I'm hard. And all points west. <laughs>